passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock, and we are back for what is becoming a routine affair here at Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics Breaking News. And I am joined, as always, by Brandon Thurston from the on-the-go WrestleNomics studio. And here he is with us. Brandon, how are you I'm, doing? I, I know here. you wanted to. I know you want to chime in on your WrestleMania eight thoughts after Wayne and I uh, reviewed I that show. That that's one of one of one of the shows that I grew up with on tape on Betamax. I watched it many many times on Betamax in my childhood. WrestleMania eight, of course. Yes, this was the it, you know uh, an interesting tie in as we always go into kind of the, the headlines from that week, and that was the week that now it can be told airs, and that is sort of is the. It? The introduction of wow. like Rita Chatterton in the is studio it? audience giving her story, and so d- direct tie into what, what is going on some uh, thirty years later. I was totally not aware of that as a seven year old. As I was, I was following WWF in real time, leading up to WrestleMania eight. Very disappointed that there was no Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair match, but you know, take take the DQ finish main event uh, as as you can. Do, do you recall when you first? We will get to the news, but <laughs> we are We're going just going to chat about WrestleMania eight. Yeah. No, but do you recall when you first heard about the, the Ring Boy scandal, when that came across your radar? Because for me, it was not until Tom Cole was on a, uh, an IATA show with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. And it was just, uh, shattering to me to hear this and then dive into it. I'm like, this is horrendous. This is horror. Just, it was something that I was not aware of until, you know, years into following this product. I'm guessing the first I'd ever heard of it was reading. The Observer in senior year in high school, which would be like 2003 for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, now everyone knows my age. And, and Dave was doing his history of the WF, uh, issues at the time. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's when I would have first right. learned about it. Well, I know everyone is, uh, is here to hear, uh, hear more about Skinner and Owen Hart, but we are going to get into yes. the news at hand. And we're sort of going to go in a, a bit of a chronological order. Uh, if you want to go back, Brandon and I did do a, a lengthy show last week reacting to the news of Vince McMahon and his power play, but several more shoes dropping in the days since we did that. So we go back to Tuesday evening when a graphic appears at Steph McMahon that reads, About eight months ago, I took a leave of absence and within a few weeks, unexpectedly had the opportunity of a lifetime. I had the privilege to return as the co-CEO and chairwoman of the board of WWE. I cannot put into words how proud I am to have led what I consider to be the greatest company in the world, working alongside a remarkable leadership team and one of the strongest executives I've known in my co-CEO, Nick Khan. Our founder, Vince McMahon, has returned as executive chair and is leading an existing, an exciting process regarding strategic alternatives, which is the, the buzz term uh, that is in vogue right now in WWE. And with Nick's leadership and Paul Triple H Levesque as chief content officer, I'm confident WWE is in a perfect place to continue to provide unparalleled creative content and drive maximum value for shareholders. 
WWE is in such a strong position that I have decided to return to my leave and take it one step further with my official resignation. I look forward to cheering on WWE from the other side of the business where I started when I was a little kid. As a pure fan, I will always remain dedicated to WWE. I truly love our company, our employees, our superstars, and our fans. And I'm grateful to all of our partners. Thank you for everything. Then, now, forever, together, Steph. And she sent a very similar message to employees in an all employees email. Uh, just, just basically the same wording, but all, but just adding WWE is the success that it is because of your hard work. You are the unsung heroes, no matter your position. Your work contributes to our mission and makes a difference in people's lives. Thank you for your faith and trust. It has been an honor to work alongside you. So it's, uh, we, we saw something similar on May 19th when she announced her temporary leave of absence, but now, it, just to take her words at face value, WWE is doing so well. It is so assured to, to do great from here on out that sh- she's comfortable uh, leaving permanently. That's it. There is nothing more to do that. This is, this is such a stable company that I am going to step away completely. Now juxtapose that with just days prior when there was a, an all employee meeting held by the existing executives and for the full transcript of this uh brandon thurston has this up at russellnomics.com some very important supplemental reading um but this is a an excerpt from stephanie's address to the employees the management structure stays the same we don't we don't want there to be obviously there's going to be some animosity or not animosity angst natural emotions that you might feel. And we want to make sure that we're on top of this and we're communicating with you and everyone has all the information that they need. So again, thank you to all of you. This is an, this is an exciting time. It shouldn't be a scary time. It's an exciting time for WWE. Our founder is back on the board and is going to help lead this process. And thank you to all of you. It's an exciting way to kick off 2023. Very interesting change of just what occurred this weekend, that goes from that speech to employees, whether an exit strategy was already um, in place, um, that Stephanie knew what was coming, or if this was something that came about in a rather rapid fashion that leads to Tuesday's release of Stephanie McMahon stepping down. And unlike May, Brandon, where I think there was still some thought of, is this truly the end of Stephanie and the company? You can obviously never say never, but this one feels much more permanent in the in the sense of her beyond being, you know, still having her, her shares. Um, like this seems True. much more like a, a divestment of Stephanie McMahon in terms of a, of an active role with, with this company and looking to a post WWE career. Yeah, it, it certainly sounds permanent. I, I, I would add that the meeting they had for all employees on Friday also involved Frank Riddick, uh, who is the, the chief financial officer and president of WWE and Nick Khan, who people are probably familiar with, um, who is n- now the lone CEO, the, the sole CEO of WWE. Um, and their, their message was very much that everything day to day is staying the same. Uh, they, they named specifically that Nick and Frank and Stephanie and Paul and Kevin Dunn are not changing their positions. They're not out of their positions. They're still there. And then, and then we have, you know, several days later, Stephanie is gone permanently. Um, so I, I mean, I view it in the, in the context of when she took her leave in, in May, uh, she, she did this before the public knew about the investigation into the misconduct of Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. She is a member of the board of directors. Presumably she would have been aware of the investigation. Um, and now that when Vince temporarily stepped down, it was Stephanie stepping into, into his place as 
uh, interim CEO and interim chairwoman. Uh, and now that Vince has made his comeback, at least to the board, uh, I see no reason yet to believe that Vince is, a, is an employee. But now that he has made his return to the company in some capacity, several days later, she's right back out again, which I don't know, point, points to me that maybe there are there are at least professional issues and, and differences between Stephanie and Vince, but I don't know. There's obviously the, the thought out there as well of what what role Stephanie McMahon plays in this structure once Vince McMahon is back. And is does it just become a factor of one or the other? Vince McMahon is back and thus she is out. But again, this was a very strong message that they gave on Friday. You have Nick Khan stating, you know, Stephanie is in her role. I'm in mine. Franken is in his. Like this is all Friday. You know, you have these these email exchanges come out of – this power struggle with Vince McMahon ultimately threatening the viability of the company through its media rights deal and a potential sale, unless he is back in power, the com- the board of directors unanimously uh, decreeing that he should not be back in any position of power. And yet he is. And then it is suddenly, hey, we're all on the same boat here. We do not want to be creating um, chaos to the outside to um, to disrupt any uh, any of this, despite you know, our dirty laundry being aired and then suddenly this is thrown in there. It's definitely chaotic from the outside, but it seems that any chaos is somewhat quelled by this potential of a sale that has led to the stock price skyrocketing and remaining there as we speak. I mean, they were trading as high as uh, over $92 this morning. They're trading around 88 and change. So it is still on a very high level uh, as we are speaking now. Yeah, the last I looked, the stock is down one or two percent uh, from yesterday, but yeah, I I, I know at, at least the, the, the some of the employees that I've I'm in contact with, you know, this is causing a lot of anxiety. I'm I'm sure, you yes. know, partly because I mean, who even knows what happens when if a transaction happens and the company is bought or acquired or merged or whatever it is, does that lead to layoffs? Um, but just the uncertainty. I, anyway, I think Stephanie was a really well liked executive in the company, um, and who had good relationships with employees, um. But yeah, and I, I don't know if you're going to get to it, but on the same night yesterday, just, I don't know, minutes after she made her tweet announcing that she's leaving the company, uh, W put out a press release saying that uh, Vince McMahon was unanimously elected by the board to to be the executive chairman. So she's no longer on the board. The press release made that clear. When, when she took her temporary leave of absence in May, she left as an executive, her, her title at that time was chief brand officer, but she did not leave as a member of the board of directors, which she had already been. She is now no longer a member of the board of directors. Um, like I pointed out last night, you know, just before the, the scandal involving Vince McMahon broke, there were 11 members of the board of directors. There are now six of them who are, who are, who are left. Uh, so there's been a lot of turnover on this board. Um, as, as George Barrios and Michelle Wilson have come back and, and several have either been removed or have resigned in recent days. So a, a lot of change to, uh, to the board. And, and notably, the board, according to the press release, unanimously appointed, uh, elected Vince McMahon as the executive chairman after, I know there's different composition just a few days ago, after on December 27th, they wrote the letter to Vince saying, we unanimously agree that you should not come back. Yeah, and and to go further than that, I mean, this is December 27th. So we're only talking about two weeks ago that the board sends Vince a response that set, states it's our unanimous view that your return to the company at this time, while government investigations into your conduct by the U.S. Attorney's Office and SEC are still pending, would not be prudent. 
from a shareholder value perspective. Now, that line alone, you could certainly argue um, incorrect in their assessment because they were not expecting that like the sale was going to be the ultimate barometer for how this would be viewed and that it's been tremendous for shareholder value to Vince coming back, but also adding um, this determination is based on a variety of factors, including non-public information the board has become aware of and the risks to the company and its shareholders of placing a greater spotlight, i.e. any spotlight on these issues for these unknown um, non this non-public info um, that the board has uncovered. I, you know, as as much of a, a threat as the board is going to come out with in this language towards Vince that, listen, there's there's more where this has come from based on, you know, uh, your, your assumption of what this uh, information could be, but damaging to Vince McMahon and by extension, its shareholders, if he was in a position that he is now finding himself in. Right. And you think that the, the allegations against Vince McMahon and this notion that the board may be aware of additional information that would be detrimental to him and the company would be uh, an, an impediment to making a deal. But the market, the stock market doesn't necessarily see it that way because the stock price has gone up so much uh, in the last few days. And, and really since, since all of this news broke, I mean, the, the, the wider trend is more about the notion of a sale period. And what's happened more recently, I guess you could argue is more about the increased certainty that there's going to be a sale or some sort of M&A transaction. So to do, if you're keeping your scorecard, it's, you're probably doing a lot of crossing out when it comes to the board of directors, but the latest uh, roll call uh, sees outgoing members, Stephanie McMahon, Manjeet Singh, who was the lead investigator into all of the allegations against Vince McMahon, Ignace Lahoud, Joe Ellen Lyons, Dylan, Jeffrey Speed, and Alan Wexler and replacing several of those seats include uh, Vince McMahon, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. So at least in the interim, um, there are open seats on this board of directors and certainly it has been a very chaotic overhaul of, of this board of directors that Vince McMahon has uh, pulled off here and, and done so as well that, that you pointed out, Brandon, the fact that he is being backed by a, a law firm that is not the uh, legal firm that has been attached to the McMahon family going back decades. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if he was represented here by Canel Gates, by by his famous lawyer, Jeremy McDivitt, that that's probably a, a conflict of interest for because because Canel Gates has represented and currently represents in, in lawsuits like the, the ML. Right, the MLW lawsuit um, represents WWE. Has represented Vince McMahon. Has represented the board of directors. Uh, so, yeah, probably a good idea to have separate representation. Uh, Kirkland Ellis is is the name of the law firm. Yes, which they uh, you noted they put out a kind of announcement there. They are representing Vince, and there are an army of lawyers representing fourteen Vince or fifteen lawyers are named. And if you go to the there's if you just like Google search Kirkland Ellis Vince McMahon, you'll you'll find a, a page from the law firm's website, just sort of you know linking to the the actual press release from Vince McMahon himself, and then listing these fi- like fifteen or fourteen lawyers who are involved in in his situation apparently. Yes, we uh, Vince McMahon's legal team. Uh, you are fielding a baseball team with a uh, uh, with uh, with an entire roster of uh, starting pitchers as well. If you are if you are looking for this, so um, that, that's the latest on on the Vince McMahon front. Um, as we kind of look at at Stephanie McMahon, I mean, what what are you looking at in terms of like? Do you expect her to keep a pretty low profile in 
in the months to come, it's, you know, she is somebody that, you know, we have like speculated upon. Does she have aspirations outside of WWE? This is certainly going to put that theory to the test. If, if we do believe like this is the, the finality of Stephanie McMahon's link to WWE. I don't know. I mean, like she seems to be very passionate about the, the WWE community stuff. I could see her doing something in involving philanthropy or something like that. Um, Shane Shane left this company more than 10 years ago, almost, I suppose, about 14 years ago, and he got into trying to do media uh, in China and things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know for, for anybody wondering, I, I really don't expect Stephanie to get involved in wrestling. Uh, no, I don't expect her to be Soraya's partner tonight uh, on Dynamite. Uh, but, but, yeah, I don't know. That would be my guess would be, I don't know, maybe something in, involving uh, community outreach or philanthropy. Um, I'm going to play uh, Brandon Thurston here to uh, to Chris Gullo. Can you explain to uh, the viewers out there uh, the class B shares of this company Sorry. and and why they are so, so significant and who who continues to hold class B shares? So only Vince and Linda's descendants and themselves can hold class B shares. Who actually currently owns class B shares? Only Vince, Linda, and Stephanie. And Stephanie owns a lot more than Linda. Linda owns a relatively small amount. Stephanie owns a substantial amount, but Vince really owns a ton of it. I think we're, we're showing the, yeah, we're showing the, the number of shares that they own. So everybody else owns class A shares. If you go on your, your stockbroker account right now, you go on Ameritrade or E-Trade or Robinhood or whatever, and you buy some, some W shares, you'll have class A common stock for the common folks, but only McMahon family members can hold class B shares. And basically what, what class B shares are in this case is that every one of the class B shares counts 10 times against every one of your common shares. So even though Vince McMahon, as we can see here, holds just over one third of, of the stock, he does not own a majority of the stock, but because he has the class B shares, his votes come up, come out to 80%, I believe it's actually 81% of all the votes. So he controls the company. Um, when it comes to class B shares, so, so Paul Levesque cannot own class B shares, is my understanding. I suppose Stephanie and Shane's children could own class B shares because they are descendants of Vince and Linda. But uh, yeah, that's that's how... And, and WWE is not unique in, in this dual class shareholder system. Uh, other companies like Facebook and I believe Google and lots of other companies are founded this way to give the founders uh, exceptional control while owning a minority of the stock. That's right. Uh, even uh, Shane's son, Declan McMahon, uh, chiming in his two cents on yes. Instagram seems to be backing uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, to, to my knowledge, uh, you know, uh, Declan McMahon, we would have seen uh, coming out with Shane at that uh, WrestleMania match with the with the Undertaker. Actually, right. a very young uh, Declan McMahon in the opening of uh, WrestleMania 20 when he is oh, an is infant okay. with, with Vince and, and Shane making his debut at like a month, a month old. Yeah, I, so, I, I remember anyway. that. Yeah. Uh, so as well, in concert with the announcement that Vince McMahon has been unanimous, unanimously elected as the chairman of the board, once again, uh, we have Nick Khan as the sole CEO of the company. And from all indications, Paul Levesque remaining in his role as chief content officer. And I am sure um, a very chaotic period for one Paul Levesque, who is, I mean, just where we look at where things were perceived from a public standpoint – uh, a week ago, 
uh, in, into today, it just seems like there is a lot of disruption within this company. I think a lot of people concerned because of so many unknowns, so many questions. And that even if you are, uh, front facing to your, to your, your employees on Friday, well, what was said on Friday, uh, really did not match reality several days later that it, you can only put so much faith in what is being said versus the actions that you are seeing playing out here. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to to take that message on Friday with a lot of credibility that it is going to stay in their place. And I, I combine that with uh, an understanding of Vince McMahon that he's he was very involved in creative. He was very controlling of the creative process. And it's hard to imagine that over a long period of time, he'll be able to keep himself out. With that said, my belief right now is that he is on the board and I believe that he doesn't have um, an employment role, or at least we haven't seen an employment agreement published yet by the SEC. And I believe if he did, if he did have sort of executive role as a corporate employee, we would see some sort of employment agreement published, like like we have seen for Nick Khan, and we have seen for when she came on as CFO Christina Salen, and when he was into that role, put into that role Frank Riddick. Uh, we don't have an employment agreement. A uh, new one, anyway, for, for Vince. So, I believe that he's on the board for now, and I'm over the long course of time. I'm not. I'm not confident that he doesn't get involved in creative again. Uh, but it, but we'll see. I mean, I I definitely got the impression that in 2021, uh, yes, Paul Levesque had his his heart problem, but before that, he was pretty clearly taken out of power uh, around NXT. And does that point to some sort of difference in in creative philosophy between between Vince and and Paul Levesque, uh, I I would think so, or or some other sort of difference between them. So I I'm not super confident that the person who controls the company and who has now regained some power in the company will uh will will stay exactly where he is. So that brings us sort of up to speed on you know what what the WWE uh, has disclosed the the shakeup in terms of power positions where Vince McMahon stands and then all focus becomes on a potential sale of this company and this was all uh, lots of speculation on Tuesday night what we can say today is that a lot of a lot of outlets and reporters uh, including Brandon that I am very confident in as well is that no sale has occurred that there, that this company has not been sold yet, which would certainly line up with the fact that it was just days ago that we saw the report that they had hired JP Morgan to begin exploring sales talks. And the idea to pull off something this grand in such quick fashion would seem extremely, extremely difficult. But that's not to say that this is all trending in, in that direction. Um, whether a sale occurs, who it is sold to, that is, uh, all up for debate. But where where do you stand right now, Brandon, when it comes to the sale? Because everything r- related to the stock is tied to this sale that um, I think the last 24 hours has only sped up the demand for news on this subject and maybe a little less leeway than we were talking about on Friday that this company has to execute such a sale. Like, is there going to be that uh, that patience uh, with, with the stock? Well, I, I think the timing is around the spring. They either renew the TV rights deal or they or they make some transaction with the company, and I think we know by then that sort of they're not going going to renew TV rights for Raw and SmackDown, and then some time later make a, a company transaction. I don't believe that's how it's going to go. And Nick Khan in the in the meeting basically said words to that effect that that's 
they can't make a, a TV deal and then go make a company sale. So, um, so I think spring is, uh, is roughly the time frame that I would expect one of those two things to happen. Um, I, I watched Twitter unravel last night and, uh, and people speculate slash maybe report that, that WB was near a deal with, with Saudi Arabia, um, who I think is a, a plausible suitor to, to buy the company. They own Newcastle United. They're involved in funding the, the live golf, a uh, new golf league to compete with the PGA. Um, but so I've, I've, I've asked someone who I think would know, and it was strongly denied to me that that is a thing that is anywhere near happening. Uh, I, I don't believe that there are any advanced negotiations between WWE and Saudi organizations for a company transaction. And I don't believe that there's any agreement in principle or anything like that between WWE and Saudi Arabia for the company be, to be taken private or to be bought. Um, I think a, a transaction like that make a lot of sense for, for Vince McMahon in his situation and maybe what he wants. I could see him from his perspective viewing that as, as far as taking the company private, taking the company public, which he did in 1999, uh, and being overseen by the SEC has, you know, made this, this scandal more of a problem for him than it would be otherwise, particularly when we, when we think about the, the financial aspect of this story and the fact that Vince McMahon, uh, used, you know, used personal money to pay for NDAs to keep several women uh, silent about the allegations against him, uh, that should have been recorded as company expense because it was meant to protect the company. If WB is a private company still, that particular issue, the financial issue, is probably not as big or maybe any issue for him. Um, but anyway, I, I, don't, I don't think a transaction between the Saudis and WE is is eminent or in any sort of advanced process at this point. Is it going to happen someday? Maybe. Um, it, it is. There are dots to connect in terms of you know when you look at the the Saudi event deal that that was made and that we're currently you know WE is currently under that was made in 2018 uh, to do two events a year, 100 million dollars a year. Uh, that deal was made when George Barris and Michelle Sim were the number two and number three executives in the company, and they're back on the board. So there's some dots to connect here, but I see no reason to believe that this is any more advanced than any other deal that WWE is making. And I think that they are exploring various possibilities, including a sale of the company and maybe a merger of the company, if it's something smaller like Endeavor, perhaps, or maybe taking it private or not doing anything. And just continuing as they are as a public company, as a public company controlled by, by Vince McMahon. Um, and I don't know if Vince favors any of those outcomes more than others. And I don't know if certain executives favor any of those outcomes. So. Yeah. It, it does become, you know, an, an increasing interesting question. I would say that if you are looking at the, the Saudi Arabia public investment fund of, how much more difficult that becomes because you are still contingent on executing these television rights deals and what is the appetite for these U.S. broadcasters to be in business with a Saudi Arabian-owned WWE as opposed to its current makeup or being owned by an Endeavor, for for instance. And, you know, that, that becomes a very tricky question when we have seen, you know, live golf for a multitude of reasons that it has had, uh, struggles, uh, when it comes to securing a television deal. Now, WWE is, I would say, much more ingrained. And if you're looking at Comcast, you know, very much tied to Raw on the USA network. And it, it brings about a lot of questions. I, I always caution myself when it comes to just kind of, uh, getting, getting around, uh, 
moral improprieties that get in the way of business. I think if you are somebody that that holds that standard, you are going to be left empty, I think, at, at the end of it. So I, I look at that as, you know, not a question to dismiss, but one that is worth throwing out there as opposed to, you know, a a sale to some of these other candidates that we have seen that it's just a different I would say level of comfort that some of these broadcasters would have being in business with and what these programs would become like what what is uh, this investment fund in Saudi Arabia? What are they buying? What are they expecting out of this when it comes to their projection to the to a worldwide audience? If if any of the potential suitors that have been thrown around, which are any of Comcast, uh, Fox, Netflix, Amazon, Endeavor, Liberty Media, uh, Redbird Capital, uh, any, any of those, if, if any of them are going to have the least amount of a problem, I suppose, with, with Vince McMahon's moral improprieties, perhaps it's, it's the, the Saudi government, uh, because they have their own moral issues. So maybe there, they would be more open with that than, than others where it would be less of a deterrent to a deal than it, than it would be for, say, Comcast or for Disney. Uh, of, of all companies. Um, so there's, there's that issue. I, I could see it being attractive to, to the Saudi government in, in the, in the sense that, Hey, look, maybe we are having problems getting a TV deal for, uh, for live golf or, you know, organizations that may be associated with us may have trouble making certain business partnerships, uh, particularly in the case of live golf, it's a new entity, right? But if we have something that's really established that has all of these ingrained, business partnerships already, um, it's, it's sort of, you know, gets them associated with the company that has all these relationships and becomes sort of more normal. You can see that being attractive, right? Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I, and I guess, you know, the, the idea of whether W is going to be able to do TV deals. I think there's just all sorts of, there's like two layers, I guess, in, in that scenario in that is it going to be harder for W to make a TV deal? Let's say they're just going to renew rights. Is it going to be harder for WWE to make a TV deal with you know, because of the fact that Vince is there? Um, I don't have a great sense of that. Um, and, and as time goes on, I'm leaning more towards, no, that's not going to be a huge issue, at least not until there's other news stories, if there are any uh, around any wrongdoing that he may have done. Um, is it going to be a problem? <laughs> it, it, do you have that fact, that potential problem combined with, let's say we have a WWE someday that is owned or funded by the Saudi government. We've got sort of two layers of, of, of problems here in, term, in terms of moral perception. Um, I don't know. And it ultimately comes down to what, what the networks are willing to stomach and, and an extension of that, maybe what the advertisers are willing to stomach, um, which... <sighs> I, I really don't know how to read wrestling, I believe, still has a perception problem in terms of having trouble being able to sell ad space. Um, I think that has improved over the years somewhat, uh, but it's still a problem. And does adding these moral problems on top of it really make it that much different? Maybe, maybe not. But it's I don't know. It's something to think about. Well, we know TBS would just delay it a week. Yes. We all go away. That's, that's the answer. Just delay seven days. That's, that's a good little cushion to have there. You know, another aspect to all of this, as you're looking specific to different candidates to buy this company. And if you are an employee with the company, anytime you're hearing about a sale or a merger, there's always the threat of 
jobs being eliminated and constricted. If you are looking at a company, just throwing one out there because we have the comparison with the UFC with Endeavor is they buy the company and there's a lot of people in the same roles. So therefore roles become redundant. And we saw lots of cuts at the UFC level after that sale. If you are a WWE employee, um, the Saudi Arabia purchase, I mean, this, this investment fund, like they are not staffing a wrestling company. It's largely, I would think you might see some, uh, a bit of a leaner company, but maybe not. They might just be hands off and your job security might be a lot better in in that sense because of their inability to just run this company and not take existing people in roles because those don't exist with that option. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the reasons that you you would do a sale or a merger because it, it there are synergies and there are ways that you can lower expenses and and share expenses and often unfortunately that means laying people off. So at that point um you know, that is, that is where the latest is on the, the sale discussions. Um, a big name in all of this, um, that, that we've spoken about a bit is Nick Khan. He is in the middle of a five year agreement with WWE. He is now the, the lone CEO of the company and is one that I would say is, you know, along with Vince McMahon are going to be the ones spearheading all of these important talks and, and I think it is worth asking that we are now looking at a WWE without Stephanie McMahon and uh, a Vince McMahon who is closing in on 78 years old that he will turn this year. And with Nick Khan, like what, what is he looking for? You know, if a sale is done, what Nick Khan's aspirations are with this company and with his own career as well, like what the future of this, uh, this management company looks like just, you know, two and a half years from now. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, I'm, I'm sure from, from the point of view of investors, um, he is looked at as somebody who they really trust. And I think that they're really impressed by, uh, he's the one who's convinced people, I mean, with, with, with a track record that he's able to make a favorable media rights deal for WWE. Um, I guess I think this stock price would be reacting differently if, if he was the co-CEO who had, who had resigned, um, but uh, the stock price is doing okay. I know we were looking over um, Nick Khan's employment agreement. He has a five-year deal uh, where he has to he, he's he's locked in enough that if he if he leaves early before the five years is up, that he has to give back a portion of his bonus. Um, but yeah, he's he's the CEO now uh, without Stephanie there and uh, and with Vince as the chairman of the board. What do you think about the uh, reaction just at the fan level? Um, to all of this, do you do you look at this as you know? There is always going to be the immediacy, the immediacy, and uh, you know people weighing in. But do you think you know it's? I, I would say generally, like there there are criticisms as always with it with a wrestling product. But I think it has largely been um, a much more positive view of WWE these past six months, and this would mm-hmm. definitely, I think, give everyone uh, the cause of you know is there going to be uh, that level of. I would say approval of WWE as we are moving forward. And it, this is a Vince McMahon run company again, in many ways. Yeah. I think there's a, a portion that are bothered by it. On the other hand, we have those two live crowds that, that cheered, I guess more than two, right? We have the, the one live crowd on the SmackDown that he appeared on the same day, the day that he stepped down on an interim basis, who cheered him on. Uh, he came out the following Monday and he was here. He came out, uh, or he didn't come out, but, but Stephanie let a thank you Vince chant on the day that he retired on July 22nd. So 
Are we going to get a thank you Stephanie chant on SmackDown on Friday? I don't expect it. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, there's an, in the broadest sense, and if, if the, the live audience is, is a good cross section of WWE fans, there aren't a lot of people. There isn't an overwhelming consensus of people who are going to be put off by it, but there is a, a significant portion of people, in my view, who who will be bothered by it. It will hurt WWE's brand to an extent. And I think especially if we start to feel confident that he's involved in creative and, you know, I'd, I've, I've said, you know, people are going to be looking through Ron Smackdown now with a fine tooth comb more, more than ever. We had people, you know, speculating and, and saying, Vince, Vince must be involved in this. This looks like Vince again. And there's going that that's going to be ever more the case for, for a subset of fans. How, big of a portion is that i don't know it's it's something and it's uh, th- these are the fans who promote the product or or detract the product uh, to others um and uh may, may uh do other things with their time if they're if they're really frustrated with it whether that's you know just doing other entertainment things or checking out other wrestling including AEW or whatever it might be or like by, by god sasha banks is, is going to new japan so yeah it's a uh, no it's approved for the last uh, five months you don't need vince you don't need him in creative uh, you, you don't need him in, in, in the headquarters did just fine without him, but, uh, <laughs> he didn't, he's back anyway. It's, 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 um, it, it's a part of this story too, is that even if you were a, a Vince McMahon, uh, devotee in WWE, you got to live through six months without him. And I think, uh, both of us would, would attest Brandon, like it has been a very, positive reaction to this work environment versus uh what they were accustomed to that was just the norm and even if you were someone that uh there was a fear of the unknown or believing that Vince McMahon truly was uh the only one that could run this well now they have proof of concept with six months that the train rolled on and it was doing just well without him that I think even those that might have been supporters of Vince six months ago amidst scandal can now look at an alternative way of just having a work environment that is much more normal. This idea that um production staff is going to get a uh, boxing day off and not have to do a live raw on a Monday night, just uh, little right. things that I, I think just are a different, uh just a different way of doing business versus now go- going, going back for many. But I mean, on the Vince McMahon side, it's astounding to me of what he has been able to have put out there all these allegations against himself, multiples of them, uh, and going back decades, realistically, when you are including the Rita, Chat- Rita Chatterton story. And here is somebody that insulated himself in such a way that leans on a, a public apathy uh, towards, you know, personal transgressions when it comes to value that you can bring to your company, to your shareholders. He is insulated by a stock price that soared with the promise or at least uh, intent of exploring a sale in a time when you know that your fan base will back you in a live setting where you have your WrestleMania lead up that numbers are going to look very good the next couple of months that you can take credit for whether deserved or not that Vince McMahon has carved out a path back into power that would seem just incomprehensible several months ago and here he is with a lot of protective cover and holds the keys to the castle of who he hands them off to if he so chooses, making sure that um, the lots might change, but he will always have access uh, based on who assumes control of this company. 
Yeah, I, I, I was surprised that he resigned. And when, when the Wall Street Journal story came out uh, about a month ago saying that Vince was thinking about coming back, um, I, I listened to a lot of other people who's, who said that there's no way he's going to come back. And, and now he's back, which sort of tells me that maybe, maybe I should just trust my instincts in that. My instinct is that Vince wants to be in control. He wants to be, he wants to have the power and making money is fine, but that's not as important to him as controlling the company. You know, I've, I've read and maybe been involved in a lot of wrestling discussions where, you know, people will bring up the point, well, well, Vince isn't going to do that because what's important to Vince, he, that's not going to be the best thing for making money. And I, I don't just don't think that's his first priority. His first priority is to, is to be in control. And probably from his perspective, he views his exit from the company in July as being, you know, his, his normal everyday life being taken away from him. And he wants some part of that back. And he's got some part of that back by being back on the board um, and being back in, in control of the company that he founded. And according to his his comments so far in the press release and other comments he's made elsewhere and the, the words of his that we've read in in the, the written communication between him and the board, I mean, he doesn't express anything along the lines of regret for his alleged misconduct or any any contrition or anything like that and he probably doesn't feel that he's done anything wrong and he shouldn't have resigned because he probably feels that he didn't do anything worth resigning over that seems to be the only lesson that is his takeaway because i took bad advice i could have withstood all of the all of this i mean it's yeah. it's a pretty callous view but one that he is not getting any pushback to his his belief and is is back um we have a few uh, super chats here that we will uh, just uh, get to here from uh, Carl, who writes, appreciating Vince probably has the biggest say in WWE's actual sale. How much power does Nick Khan really have as CEO? Uh, thank you guys for the great content. Thank you for the super chat, Carl. Um, yeah, I guess from just a kind of outside view, Brandon, like Nick Khan's, how much Vince leans on Nick Khan, very complimentary to him in the press release. And he is somebody that I think has uh, an enormous value to these negotiations, but um, does Vince McMahon have that uh, faith in Nick Khan and deferring to him on some of these more uh, complex uh, deals that they are exploring? When it comes to these big deals that we're talking about, Vince has to approve of all of it. He's written that he has to approve of a media rights deal into the bylaws of, of the board of directors. So he has to explicitly approve. I don't know that he's going to be involved in the meetings. I don't know that he's going to be very involved in making the deal. And Nick Khan will be very involved in that. And people around Nick Khan will be very involved in that. Um, he's going to, to make the deals and Vince has to at least prove of them if involved in them. Uh, certainly when it comes to a company transaction, Vince is going to be the one that has to approve of it. Um, but others I'm sure will be, will be very involved. Uh, but Vince has, has the power. And I think Nick Khan is, is still the CEO and he's still the one who's going to ultimately be the lead executive and is going to, you know, approve of and oversee the operations of the company. Yes. The pressing question that uh, is being asked by Sal, our official prediction is Mercedes on dynamite. Uh, I believe they're, they're in the Kia forum. So it would be a Kia or Mercedes. What, what would be a, a appearing yes. tonight? Uh, no. Are you going to be tuning into dynamite tonight, Brandon? Probably. Uh, yeah. I, I would expect her to be there. I, I don't, I, I think that if she was not going to be on the show tonight, that AEW would have made made more of an effort to deny that she was coming in, which ha hasn't happened. 
we'll close on this is, of course, the, the requisite question is how this impacts AEW. But do you look at any potential avenue for WWE in these sales talks that in one way or another greatly benefit AEW over other options? I mean, when it comes to, uh, you know, their rights being due as well and sort of where they fit in here. I think that there is, you know, I, I think like there is a, an underappreciated point when it comes to just perception value. And I think WWE's perception um, really extended itself over these last six months where we saw, you know, sort of AEW take a, a clear number two position. Um, but to its fan base, I think that there will be some that view this as a, um, you know, an unwillingness to go along with this trajectory for WWE. And it does AEW uh, pick up some goodwill, at least among the fan level. They, they, continue there they sort of get, get to reestablish themselves as a, as an alternative perhaps especially if Vince comes back to creative um because the more that there are people who are dissatisfied with WWE the more that that brand is is a problem for people and while while those people still like wrestling and want some some sort of wrestling to engage with the more useful and needful AEW is um if I were AEW I would be you know hoping that you know they they get they get taken private by the Saudi and that their brand continues to, to have problems uh, and that they're looked at it as a, as an amoral uh, entity. And then you have AEW. That's a, that's a better, at least alternative. Um, and perhaps there's, I mean, there, there's going to be talent that's not going to be happy. I mean, just this uncertainty alone is causing a lot of anxiety and morale issues um but if if vince comes back to heading creative and gets involved in 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 talent and talent gets released and things like that i mean there's more talent available for aew i mean they've gotten more talent than they than they need in the first place at the moment but if talent cannot readily feel creatively satisfied in the biggest company in the world then there's an alternative that's Got got, you know, got more of a use to it, and that that makes AEW and, and other wrestling organizations better able to recruit. Him. All right. Um, my apologies. We're just getting a few more super chats rolling in here. Would Vince be allowed to cut a side deal with Saudi in the six months that he was gone? Could Vince be uh, manufacturing something uh, behind the scenes? All these. I mean, as you know, controlling. I, I cannot speak here from expertise here in this field, but I mean, there's. Essentially, he is still he has always been the controlling shareholder throughout this entire period. Um, there would be nothing. He would obviously have to present this to the board, but I I'm not aware of anything that would prohibit him from engaging in uh, in, in discussions, whether they be back channel or uh, official. I suppose it's possible, but I don't believe it's happening. Um, we got a prediction of NBCU buying a. Buying WWE, um, I guess that's, that's always a possibility. I mean, it, it's a bigger story for another day, but the idea of a, of a privately owned WWE, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we've had 23 years of WWE being a public company. It becomes a very different, um, company to cover in that sense. And, you know, contrast this to the 92 scandals where, you know, the Wall Street Journal was not covering those scandals. Uh, it was a private company and it was largely left to wrestling newsletters. Daytime talk shows and, you know, Phil Mushnick, uh, who's a columnist with the New York Post with a few, you know, newspaper coverage, but not like this coverage we saw over these past six months, um, specific to the Wall Street Journal covering this. And if you take that out of the equation, um, again, I, I don't think these allegations are even coming to light. 
Yeah, I mean, WWE, even if it, even if we've got the WWE that is, is, is the size of what it is today, WWE is a much bigger company than it was in 1992. Um, but there isn't as much scrutiny and there certainly isn't, isn't SEC oversight of it like, like there is today. Um, and I, I, I know that I, that I tweeted a, I think yesterday that, you know, I, I reached out to the SEC and they, they, they would, would not even confirm that there is an investigation. Uh, but the, the, the letter, written by the board to Vince alludes to the investigation and there have been uh, reports from the Wall Street Journal too. So I, d- I don't think there's any reason to doubt that the SEC is investigating Vince and or the company. And I don't think there's any reason to doubt that U.S. attorney's offices are, are investigating Vince and or the company uh, either. But um, yes, I, th- I could see very much in Vince's view, the idea that, you know, I if I would have just never gone private or if I was never gone public, then you know, I would be avoiding a lot of these problems. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. Of course, this is always an evolving story. Um, I'm sure we will be checking back with Brandon in the uh, in the days and weeks to come with more breaking news. Uh, but I do encourage everyone to check out WrestleNomics.com, Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And uh, Brandon, you will be back uh, this Thursday. Yes. Chris Cole and I will be doing a WrestleNomics 30 episode Uh That'll be out for subscribers, subscribers only. We'll be back with um, WrestleMonics Radio, as always, on the WrestleMonics YouTube channel at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern, as well as on the WrestleMonics podcast uh, feed. And uh, and, and everyone should, should check out the Post Wrestling Cafe. I guess for, for, for my listeners who may be listening uh, on, on WrestleMonics, you, you should, should join me and be, be a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe and uh, get get uh, access to all the Post Wrestling stuff, including their their SmackDown and Rampage reviews and things of that nature. Well, thank you kindly. Yes, we, we do have a show. And yes, we cover WrestleMania 8, but also going into the 1992 scandals as well on that show um, at, at the top with myself and Wei Ting. And we will be back tonight uh, at 10 Eastern here on the channel after Dynamite from the Kia Forum. We will discuss all the, the fallout of that and any more that comes on this new subject. So as always, a big thank you to Brandon Thurston and all of you for joining us live. And that will wrap up our breaking news edition.